welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to church. We're so excited to have you here this weekend with us. And if this is your first time here, we would love for you to send us an email at the address on the screen so somebody can be in touch with you and just say, hey, we're excited to know you. We're excited for you to be a part. If you call Hope City Church your home, we're so excited you're here too. And we can't wait until we can gather. And it sounds like that could be very soon. So we are very excited. Hey, would you just take a minute with me this morning? And before we jump into the message, can we pray together? Can we position ourselves and position our hearts and posture ourselves in such a way as to receive from the Spirit of God before we jump any further in today's message? Would you do that with me? Okay, great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I pray and I ask that you continue to move and speak in ways that only you can do. God, I ask by your Holy Spirit right now, that you are opening our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to receive your words of life that bring healing, that bring restoration, that bring life, that bring understanding. God, we thank you for all you've said and continue to say we receive it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all said Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, so we are in the second week of our series called Remember When, and it's a series talking about looking back at when God has moved in the past so that we can move ahead into the future. A lot of times we lose hope. We get in the middle of life storms. We get in the middle. We get halfway up those mountains that are so hard, and we begin to lose hope. We begin to despair. We begin to say, can't do this. It's too hard. But if we have something that we can look back upon and look back and remember, we can look at that and say, man, if God did this, then I know he can do it again. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, and they're talking about the devil. And it says this in the New Living Translation. It says, and they defeated him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, and by the words of their testimony. Having the Word of God and having people's testimonies and stories that we can look back on and say, man, like those guys had it hard. They were going through tough stuff. Or you can listen to your neighbor or your friends at work or your family and they can tell you the stories of God moving and working in their life. And you can listen to that and say, if God could do that for those people in those circumstances, in those ways, then I know that He can do it for me too. And so that's what this series, Remember When, is all about. We are remembering when God moved, when God spoke, when God did something, that God brought transformation and healing. And so today's message is called Remember When Moses Met God. So we're going to start off in the book of Exodus today. Exodus Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to go. And I would love it if you had your Bible, that you would turn there with me. And I sure hope you have a Bible. You've got something, some kind of device or Bible that you can open up and look at for yourself. You know, 
Yes, you can listen to podcasts. Yes, you can listen to the Bible while you're driving around. But there is nothing like opening up the Word of God for yourself so you can stop and look and read and ponder and think and let the Spirit of God speak to you. So I encourage you, as a pastor, I encourage you, have a Bible that you can use, that you can look in, that you can make notes when God speaks to you, that you can have it right then, right there. Um, Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to start off. I told you that. Today I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And I'm going to try and give you a quick recap on the first two chapters of the book of Exodus. I don't know how quick I can do it, but I'm going to try my best. Exodus starts off with the children of Israel uh, living in the land of Egypt. The Bible tells us that They had moved there, and they began to multiply and grow and grow and grow. They kept having babies, and they kept growing and growing and growing. You know what it's like when people have babies. They just keep growing. And so the Bible tells us that the children of Israel kept growing. And it says that there was a new king, a new pharaoh, who didn't know Joseph and all that he had done. And he became concerned that the Israelites were going to grow so big that they could join with other forces and overtake the Egyptians. And so he made a rule. He decided, we're going to make these guys our slaves. We're going to be their masters. They're going to be our slaves. And they began to punish them. They began to make them do hard, hard labor, build things, make cities. It talks about that the, that the Egyptians made the, the Hebrews and the Israelites build the cities called Ramesses and Python. And they had to work hard, make clay and all these kind of things. The Bible says that even though the Egyptians made these people work hard, it says they continued to multiply even even more and they kept growing and growing and so the Pharaoh said well my idea to become their masters didn't slow them down so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to decree that every male Hebrew child born must be killed and so he begins to try and find a way to wipe out the children of Israel by getting rid of all the male babies and the Bible tells us that in the middle of this there was a couple that got married got pregnant and had a baby and this baby began to grow and it was about three months old they couldn't hide this baby at home anymore and so the mama decides what she's gonna do is she's gonna make a little boat a little basket she goes down to the Nile River and picks some of those reeds and she puts it all together in a basket and she puts um, tar on the outside so it's waterproof and she makes a little lid for it. Then she puts this little baby in the basket, takes him down to the river where the princess bathes. And one day when the princess is out there bathing, the mom goes down, puts the baby in the basket in the river and it floats over there. And the princess is there taking her bath and she looks and she sees this weird thing amongst all the other reeds, but it doesn't look like the rest of the reeds. There's something weird about it. Maybe she heard the baby crying. We don't know. Maybe she saw this weird basket reed floating in the water. We don't know what caught her attention, but something did. And so the Bible tells us that they went over there, opened it up, found this baby inside. And we know then that this princess adopts this baby and begins to raise him. And she names him Moses. And and so Moses grew up in the palace. Moses grew up as one of the the children of the princess. So he had access to all the things probably that the royal family had access to. We know that he got a great education, that he probably learned reading and writing and science stuff and arithmetic and geometry. He began to learn all these things. He was skilled. He was a learned person and he began to grow and grow and he spent his time in the palace. The Bible tells us when he was 40 years old that he went out one day to go walk 
walk amongst the Hebrews. And he knew that these were his people. He knew that he had come from the Hebrew, that he was a children of Israel. And the Bible says that he went to go see what they were up to and go walk amongst them. And so as he was taking a walk, one day he sees an Egyptian slave master beating one of the Hebrew men, one of the children of Israel. He's beating them. The Bible tells us, I'm trying to make this story fast. The Bible tells us that Moses looks and looks around and sees nobody's around. And he goes and thinks he's doing the right thing. And he's vindicating this child of Israel who's being beaten. And he goes and he beats this Egyptian slave master and kills him, buries him in the sand. I think that's amazing that he buried this guy in the sand. But I guess what else are you going to do in the desert? Buries him in the sand, goes home. Bible tells us the next day Moses comes back to come walk around the, the Hebrew, the children of God, and see, see what God is, or see what they're doing, and see how life's going. And he happens to walk upon two children of Israel who are fighting each other. And he says to them, what are you guys doing? You guys shouldn't be fighting your, your brothers, your friends. You're of the same nation. Don't, don't treat each other like this. And they turn around and look at him. And they say basically to him, who are you? Who made you our judge? What are you going to rule over us? Who, why don't you go mind your own business? Why don't you go take care of your own stuff? What are you going to do? Are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And when they said that, Moses knew the cat was out of the bag and he was terrified that Pharaoh was going to find out and kill him, which is exactly what was happening. Pharaoh did find out and Pharaoh was going to try and kill him. And so the Bible tells us that Moses packs up and runs away from home, runs into the wilderness to get away from everything. He spent 40 years in the palace. He spent 40 years as some kind of royal family. And something happens that transforms his, his circumstances. And he jumps up and he has to run away from home as fast as he can. He runs out to the wilderness, runs out to the desert, runs into a group of girls who are out there with their, their dad's um, flock. And they're, they're watering them. Moses is invited home for dinner and through a series of events over time, ends up marrying one of these girls. And then he spends the next 40 years in the wilderness becoming a shepherd. He spends the next 40 years away from everything that he knew in his previous 40 years. He left all the luxury and all the riches and all the advantages of being part of that uh, kingly family. And he went to the desert to get away from it all. And he spent 40 years in the desert being a shepherd. And we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 1, is where we're going to start. So, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. At this point, I just want you to know, Moses is 80 years old. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert. Now we're picking up here. It says, the priest, His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from a middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement through the bush, or though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it myself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. Can we just pause here for a second? Little side note, you know what? There are times in your life when God is going to be giving you signals and signs where He is wanting you to say, 
what is happening over there? This is not normal. This is not like I've seen before. That bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. I don't understand. I'm going to pull aside and go look at it. And that's what's happening here. See, in this day and age, there was all kinds of shrubs on this mountain that we know from history and geography. And we know that these kind of shrubs would catch on fire frequently. If there was any kind of spark, they were little small shrubs and they would just catch on fire. But what was uncommon about this was the fact that it was burning but not being burnt. And so Moses says, this is weird. This is not normal. This is uncommon. Something is at work and I must go see what this is. When you see things in your life that are not normal, that are uncommon, that are out of the ordinary, you need to pause and say, maybe the Lord is trying to get my attention. Maybe God is trying to speak to me. Maybe God is trying to show me something. And you need to do like what Moses did right here and stop from where you're going and turn aside. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we see here in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. I want to stop here for a second. It says, When the Lord saw that Moses was coming to take a closer look, when the Lord saw that Moses had changed his path had changed the trajectory that he was walking on. When the Lord saw that Moses saw this strange sight and it intrigued him and he realized that it wasn't common and that he pulled aside and began to go over here, the Bible says when the Lord saw that, he began to call out from the bushes and he said, Moses, Moses, the Lord is waiting for you to pull aside and to come and spend time in his presence. A lot of us live our Christian life thinking that if God wants to speak to you, if God wants to get your attention, when you're driving in your car down the road of life, you think if God really wants to talk to me, God will blow the tires on my car and make this car veer off the road or make my radiator blow up or make my engine blow up or make one of a thousand other things go wrong so that he can get my attention. But God is waiting for you to pull aside to come and see him. Just like Moses did here, God will give you indicators. God will give you signs. God will have burning bush moments where he's trying to get your attention. And he will wait to see if you will take the bait, so to speak. And when you take the bait and when you turn aside, that's when the Lord begins to call. And I want to show you this. Out of this verse, the Bible says that when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he began to call out. And what did he call out? He called out Moses' name. He said, Moses, Moses, I want to tell you today, the Lord knows your name. The Lord is calling your name. And when you pull aside from the path that you're driving down, from the path that you're walking on, from the direction you're heading, when you turn aside to see what God is doing and God is saying and what God, where God is at, when you turn aside, God sees that and he's waiting for you and he begins to call your name. Some of you need to hear this today. God is calling out your name. Jake, 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 I see you. I see you coming over here. Jake, come this way. Come this way. I want to talk to you. The Bible says, draw near to God. And what? He will draw near to you. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he began to call his name. 
Some of you need to hear today that God is calling out your name, that you've turned aside. He's not calling you, hey, you. Hey, hey, you, hey, you. Hey, you with the, with the glasses. Hey, you with the no hair. Hey, you with the sweater. No, no, he's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you, Jake. He's calling you, whatever your name is. The Lord is calling out your name. As you turn aside, he's calling out for you. All right, so we're going along here. And in verse 5, at the end of verse 4, the Lord's calling out, Moses, Moses, Moses says, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. I, I hear a voice calling me out, here I am. And then the Lord says in verse 5, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. The Lord warned, do not come any closer. And he says this, take your sandals off, for you are standing on holy ground. The Lord warned him. He said, hey, Moses, Moses. This way, this way. Moses says, here I am, I'm coming. God says, hey, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Don't come any closer yet. Take your sandals off for you're standing on holy ground. I want to tell you today, I want to remind you today that we serve a holy God. I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, don't take your relationship with the Lord casually. Don't say, listen, if you're a teenager or a young adult, don't say, when I get to this age, I'll take my relationship serious. When you're an older person, don't say, I've put in my time, I can coast now. Wherever, whatever phase of life you're in, wherever you find yourself, I encourage you today, we serve a holy God, and He wants to have a holy relationship with you, and He is saying to you today, don't trade your holy Holy ground moments with him for casual encounters. Don't trade your holy ground moments with him for casual encounters. I fear so many of us come into the presence of God with one hand in our pocket and the other hand on our phone. And as the Lord is trying to speak to us, we are doing this. We're looking down. We're looking at our phone. We're nodding along as he speaks. You know what I'm talking about. We're nodding along as he speaks, but you're looking here, your attention here. We have taken this from a holy ground moment to a casual encounter. Some of us treat God the same way we treat the grocery store checkout clerk. Some of us treat God the same way we treat some of our friends or our kids or our spouse. We've gotten casual about it. And the Bible says here that God warned Moses, hey, don't come any closer yet. Take your shoes off as a sign of respect. This was a this was a culture and a custom of taking your shoes off. Um, Moses would have known that the priests in his day and time would take their shoes off before they went into the temple of their gods because it was a sign of respect. And so God was saying, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. God is wanting to remind us that when you meet with God, when you're spending time in his presence, don't take it casually. It's a holy ground moment. God wants to have a holy ground moment relationship with you. Not a casual fling, not a casual encounter. God wants all your attention, not a piece of it, not a part of it, not a sliver of the pie. He wants all of you. You say, well, I don't know what holy even means. You're like, Jake, you're talking about God wants a holy ground moment. What does holy even mean in the Hebrew? This word is kodesh, and it means this. It means sacred, set apart, sanctified, dedicated. 
When you go into the presence of God, when you go and meet with Him, you have a holy ground moment. It is set apart time. It is dedicated time. It is not, I'm listening to you out of this ear while I'm staring at the news feed on this ear. It's not, I'm returning an email while I'm trying to sort of pay attention over here. I'm not reading my Bible and having the TV on in the background or listening to my spouse. I am dedicating. I am setting apart. I am consecrating my time with you. God wants to have a holy ground moment with you. Don't trade it for something cheap and casual and insignificant. And here's why. Here's what happens when you have casual, uh, not, 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 not casual moment, but here's what happens when you have holy ground moments with the Lord. Let's look here. The Bible says in verse 6, the Lord says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord says to him, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezites, the Perizzites, I'm sorry, the Hivites and the Jebusites now live. And in verse number nine, it says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. You must lead my people out of Egypt. The first thing I want to show you when you have a holy ground moment with the Lord, God gives you direction. God gives you steps to take. Some of you are watching this and maybe you have no idea what steps you're called to take in your life. You don't know which direction you're supposed to go. You don't know if you're supposed to go to the right hand or the left hand. If you're supposed to stay put, you're supposed to go forward, you're supposed to go backwards. Some of you are confused and you don't know what you're supposed to do. I want to tell you today, when you have a holy ground moment with the Lord, God brings direction. You can see right here, he says, you must lead my people Israel out of out of Egypt, out of Jesus, out of Egypt, God comes and gives clear, incise direction in those holy ground moments with him. Verse 11, Moses protested to God and he said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Do you know what's happening right here? Because as I was reading, I realized something. In verse 11, Moses is thinking small of himself. Moses is saying, who am I? Who, I, I can't do this. I'm no good. Who, who am I? I? I don't have the skills. I don't have the credentials. Who am I? You know what was happening? He was thinking back to chapter 2, verse 14, when he found those two Hebrew um, guys fighting each other. And he said, guys, you shouldn't act like this. You should stop. This, is, this isn't the right way to act. And they said, well, who made you our judge and ruler? Why don't you go mind your own business? You're not my boss. You're not in charge of me. Why don't you take a hike? Are you going to kill me? What's happening right here is that Moses is remembering that rejection and that hurt and that pain from his past. And he's saying, because of those things, I'm not worthy. Who am I? And I want to tell you the second thing here. 
When you spend time and when you have holy ground moments with the Lord, when they are sacred and dedicated and set apart in His presence, when you have those moments of time with Him, God goes into your life in whatever hurts and pains and shames and wounds you have that were inflicted upon you, that, were, that are done to you, that were done by you. God begins to work in your life and restore and heal and repair the broken things and put things back together. Abraham, Moses said, I can't do this. I, 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 who am I? I? I'm not qualified. I, I, I messed up the first go around and I had to run away and I lived in the desert for the last 40 years of my life. I, I can't do this. And God says, you can do whatever I call you to do. In those holy ground moments, God brings repair to the brokenness inside of your heart and inside of your soul. And in fact, that's the only place you're going to find much of the repair that you need is in His presence. When you pull aside and you stop and you say, I need to spend time in God's presence, in His holy presence, and you humble yourself and you submit yourself and you surrender yourself and you dedicate yourself in those times is when God begins to work and repair and restore inside of you. The next thing God answers in verse 12, and He says, I will be with you. God answered and said, I will be with you. Moses in the previous verse said, I'm not qualified. And God's response is, I am with you. I want to tell you today, for somebody watching this, God is with you. You may be saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but God's saying, I am with you. And you're saying, but what about this time? And what about that? And what about this thing over here I did? And remember that time? And remember this thing? And remember over there? And remember that person? Remember that thing up there? And God's saying, I am with you. God is with you. When you go into His presence, He gives you direction and He begins to repair the things that are broken inside of you. And He reminds you that I will never leave you or forsake you wherever I'm calling you to go. I will be with you. He gives you security. He gives you security. The knowledge, knowing that God is going to be with you wherever He's calling you, wherever He's leading you, wherever He's guiding you, wherever He's directing you. The knowledge that you know that God will be with you and you'll not be alone brings such an intense sense of security that you can do anything. You know, just picture this. If you knew, if God said to go do something and you knew, you could, you could see God beside you, you knew God was there, like you can see me right now, you would have the greatest sense of security. But let me tell you this, just because you can't see Him doesn't mean He's not there because He has promised that He will be with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. His Spirit is always with you. The Bible tells us the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of you. Wherever you go, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, God is with you. The last thing I want to show you that comes out of time and holy ground moments, we got direction, we got repair, we got security. And the last thing I want to show you is that relationship is built. Verse 14, verse 14 or 13, I'm sorry, Moses says, if I go to these people and I go tell them that you sent me, they're going to say, who, who sent you? Who sent you? And then verse 14, Moses, God is talking to Moses and he says, tell them this. I am who I am. 
Tell the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all the generations. When you spend time in the presence of God, relationship is cultivated relationship is built and here's what happened when you spend time in relationship on in holy ground moments with the Lord you begin to know him in ways that you probably can't even imagine sometimes but as you begin to grow in your relationship with him you begin to understand him and his character and his desires more and more and more and as you begin to understand him and the fullness of who he is guess what else happens you you begin to understand who you are. You begin to understand who He created you to be. Holy ground moments bring direction. They bring repair. They bring security. And they're rooted and they're founded and they bring deep relationship with God. I want to remind you today, don't trade your holy ground moments for casual encounters. So many of us just have a casual fling with the Lord. We come to church on the weekends. We have a Bible somewhere in the house, and if things get really bad, we crack it open and try and find a scripture that talks about our circumstance that we're going through. But God is looking, God is desiring a generation of people that know Him, that know His face, that know His voice, that come and have holy ground moments with Him, that take off their shoes, that put down their phones, that turn off the TV, that take out their earbuds, and that get in his presence and they revere him and they spend sacred, dedicated, consecrated time and have holy ground moments. Remember when Moses met the Lord on holy ground? I want to say to you today, just like the Lord met Moses and told him his name was Yahweh. God wants to meet with you in holy ground moments, revealing his character, revealing his direction for your life, repairing broken things, giving you that security and that life and those things that you need in his presence. Would you pray with me this morning as we conclude our service? And let's just pray that we see all of God's indicators in our life. Let's pray that we see, that we have eyes to see the burning bushes that God places around us that remind us to pull aside and spend time in His presence. Father, we thank You for Your Word that always brings life, that it always opens our eyes and brings healing. God, I thank you that you are a God that desires relationship with us, that you desire to have holy ground moments with us where we come into your presence and you impart revelation and direction and insight and you heal the brokenness, you heal the wounds, you heal the hurts and the pains, God. And Father, we know that as we go out and take the steps that you've called us to take, Father, I thank you that you are always there with us, leading us and guiding us. You'll never lead us. You'll never tell us to go someplace and then run off and lead us high and dry, Father. But you are with us every step of the way. 
Father, I pray and I ask that if we're watching this and in our hearts we're convicted because we know we've been casual about our relationship with you. We've taken it easy where we come into your presence kind of sort of maybe we've got a phone in one hand or we're hanging out or we read our Bible once and then don't read it for three months, God. And we're taking things easy and casual, God. I pray that if our hearts are convicted, we repent right now. We repent. We say we're sorry, God. We don't want to be Christians like that. We don't want to be half-hearted Christians. We want to be all in. We want to be fully committed to you. We want to take our shoes off and stand on holy ground with you, leading us and guiding us. So, Father, if that's us, we repent today and we commit afresh and anew to follow you, to come into your presence, to revere you, to step onto your sacred ground, to honor you and worship you for who you are, a holy God. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for all you're doing, Jesus. In your name we pray. We all said amen. Hey, I want to do one more thing. If you're watching this today and you've never given Jesus your life, if you're saying, you know, I need the things that you're talking about. I don't know what steps I'm supposed to take in my life. I have no idea which direction I'm supposed to go. I go over here and it doesn't work. And then I go over here and it doesn't work. And I go back and it doesn't work. And I go forward and it doesn't work. And my life is so broken and I'm so hurting and I'm in so much pain. And you're talking about a God that I can have a relationship with that'll help me overcome all those things. I want him. If you're watching and you're hearing me say these things and you say, that's what I need, that's what I want, then I want to do a prayer with you. And I want to pray that you accept Jesus into your heart to become your Lord and your Savior. All you got to do is repeat these words after me. So if that's you, if your heart is burning inside of you, or if you're saying, you know, I used to be a believer and I've kind of let things go and I've kind of stepped off the gas, I'm kind of letting things be, but I know that I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Now is a perfect time for you to jump in and pray this prayer with us. So if that's you, would you join me in this prayer right now? Just repeat after me. Father, I come to you today. I know I've made a mess of things. I'm taking all my own steps, and they're not leading me anywhere that I want to go. All kinds of messes, all kinds of problems. But God, I know that if I put my trust in you, that you will lead me and that you will guide me. So Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. I believe in my heart. And I I say with my mouth that I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead after three days. I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or you just prayed it again new, we would love for you to send us an email at the address on the screen so we can be in touch with you and help you take the next steps to grow in your relationship with God. And I make this commitment to you. If you will make if you will make this dedication in your own life and in your own heart, if you say, I will commit my life to spending every Sunday at church, to finding a church to go to wherever you're at. If you're saying, I will go to church every day for a year, I will commit 
commit myself to this, I guarantee you that in a year's time, your life will not look the same as it does right now. Those problems, those obstacles, those things that you're going through, if you commit to getting plugged into a church, and listen to me, getting plugged in, not just saying, yeah, that's my church, but I don't go and I don't attend, but you get plugged in, you watch church online, or you go to church and we can gather, or you can gather where you're at, wherever, but you get plugged in, I guarantee to you today that your life will be changed. Send us an email on the screen again. We'll, we'll be in touch with you the next steps to take. And we know that God is going to continue to do great things in you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.